Um, this morning's scripture <clears throat> is Psalm 23, which as we all know is a popular scripture read at funerals, but I thought this morning that I would read it from the message because if I just read it from the other um, interpretation, you would, it would just kind of rotate in your brain because you've heard it a million times at a funeral. Um, I'm encouraging you to listen and see how this interpretation makes it more applicable for today, for living, not, not at a funeral. Psalm 23, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid. When you walk at my side, your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Amen. Well, I hope you're doing well on this uh, first Sunday back as we kick into the fall. Personally, I had a bit of a tough week with my, with my cold. I had a cold, and then, of course, you wondered whatever it might be. So I was being kind of dragging. Anybody relate to that? Kind of dragging a little bit? Yeah. Easy to happen. But I think I'm getting on the other end. We're thinking of Christ in the valleys with us, the different valleys of life is the theme that we're going to be working with. And, you know, we have different seasons in our lives, generally. We have the winter, spring, summer, and fall. It's not just a chronological season, but in our journey of faith, we, we pass through different seasons. If you cast your eyes back over your life, you can think in terms of various seasons that you may well have been in. And to help us... Uh, think of it a little bit more, we're thinking of the metaphor of the valley. So in the seasons, what valleys are we in up and down? Where you might be today. So we're looking at Psalm 23 as the beginning, with Christ in the valley of darkness. And of course, this psalm is, is not just about darkness, it does hit that, but it's also a great message of hope. So it's not escapism, Psalm 23. It's not just a make-believe kind of, you know, Pollyanna type of theme that we might hear, but it's a theme of Christ with us, God with us in the, the real nitty-gritty parts of our lives. So that's what we're looking at as we begin. The seasons of faith, the valleys of life. So here we have a picture of the shepherd and some sheep. Down in the little place we have down in the county, there's a sheep farm not too far from us, and I like to go down that way. It's a bit of a windy road. But sure enough, uh, at that farm, there's always uh, a bunch of sheep, just about that size, a group. And they're outside by the barn, and they're usually eating away. And you can, the road swings right by them, so it's kind of fun to, to see them. And they you know, very much look to the protection of their, of their owner, of their shepherd. 
of their farmer. And um, so that's also a metaphor for us of God shepherding us and our lives. In Bolivia, this picture could be taken in Bolivia. I'm not sure where this one comes from, but the high plateau area of Bolivia, there is uh, lots of grazing going on. Sheep is, are part of that. Llamas as well, apacas. But they look a lot like that. And the shepherd is out there, usually on their own, and uh, facing all of the challenges of life for those sheep. The shepherd is there. And so it's a beautiful image of God's care for us. And indeed, as we look at Psalm 23, there are two images that we'll look at. One is the image of the shepherd, and then the last part is the shepherd of God as our friend. And so in the valley of challenges that we experience, we're thinking of God's presence with us. So here I'm reading from the NRSV. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. So that's the first part, verses 1 through 3. God, our shepherd. And the psalm starts quite emphatically. So we're going to walk through the psalm, right? I mean, you, I know you know it well. But you may never have taken the time to kind of analyze it a bit closer. So I think there's some value in that. And so we hear the psalmist as he begins, may well have been David, who was a shepherd, writing this. And you know how it jumps right into the presence of God. The Lord is my shepherd. So verse 1 and also verse 6, we have this double reference to the Lord. And the Lord there is Yahweh, Jehovah. The Lord is my shepherd. That's where the psalm begins. The Lord is my shepherd. There's a little story of a boy who was a shepherd, actually, and he had met uh, some gentleman, and the gentleman had, had talked to them, or hit the child, about God, and the child had never heard about God before, and it, in the sense of caring, and the child kind of made a commitment to keep looking to God. Well, anyway, as the story goes on, the following year he was found and uh, he had died in a storm. And he was grasping his little finger like that when they found him. And the gentleman who had talked to him about a year later heard about that and they wondered, well, why was the child grasping his finger like that? And he had said, well, you know what? When we talked, we talked about this psalm, and it, it just went as the, the Lord is my. The Lord is my. Think of that fourth word. Grab your finger. Hold on. So it's very simple, right? But it's actually something we might pass on to our kids. The Lord is my. The fourth word. My shepherd. And so the story begins with this intimacy. It just jumps in. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. And that's, that's a great invitation for us, you know. Like if we can live our lives knowing that God knows my name, knows your name, cares for you, 
cares for your kids, everybody, very specifically, the Lord is my. Guy said, well, that's why he was holding on to number four. The Lord is my. So it's a picture of intimacy. That's where we go, and it, and it just jumps in very strongly. And, you know, in all the ups and downs of life and, you know, all the challenges, living in a big city, you know, all the distractions, Everybody running, lots going on. Well, the news that Lucy was saying about Tim Tang, you know, you have a heart attack, boom. Families left to figure it out. But these are the challenges we, we work within, whether here, whether in Bolivia, it doesn't matter. Can I live my life with the sense that God is there for me as my shepherd? The only way you will get a sense of that is if you keep reminding yourself and be in that reality day by day, I think. You have to live with that presence. You have to, do, you have to shape that. You have to sit with it so that reality is more and more your truth, right? It doesn't just happen. The Lord is my shepherd. A lot of people have memorized that. As a kid, I memorized that in my Sunday school years ago. <laughs> Lord is my shepherd, the King James Version. He's my shepherd. It's a great truth. So the psalm jumps into that emphatic beginning. And the shepherd lives with us. So the interesting thing with shepherds, at least in, in the old days, the shepherd actually lived with the sheep out in the, out in the fields. When David was a shepherd the hills of Bethlehem, surrounding Bethlehem. He lived out there. He was with the sheep. So the sheep really get to know the shepherd. Smell of the shepherd. The touch of the shepherd. So the shepherd serves as guide, physician, protector. We lack nothing. God is there for us. His commitment to you. So do you believe that or not? the wonderful truth if I believe that God is my shepherd and that he guides, he protects, he leads me, come what may, he's with me. Can be the valley of darkness, we're going to see. Can be the valley of the shadow of death. But he is with me. With you, with me, with us in that valley, with us as a church in this place, with us in this community. For a long time, hopefully a lot longer, God with us. Thirdly, he restores us. We sang the song, Reckless Love. Interestingly, I wasn't even thinking of that really, but I chose the song, Reckless Love, leaving the 99 to go find the one sheep that's lost. He restores. He restores, he refreshes, he renews. Jesus tells that story, does he not? The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes looking for the one that's lost. Well, at various times in our lives, you have probably been that lost one. I've been that lost one. God going out, finding the one. Christ is a shepherd seeking the one. He restores my soul. 
So there's a restorative element to this truth, renewing, refreshing. You know, we do go through different seasons, and sometimes we're in the season of winter. It's, it's, it's a cold, barren season, and we wonder where God is. And we feel more the absence of God than we feel the presence of God. But even in that season, God comes seeking us out, seeking us out. He refreshes, he renews, he will find us. So it's a wonderful truth, spiritual renewal. God's care in leading us in right paths. Ezekiel writes, a new heart will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. God talking to Israel of old, and I will give you a new heart. Not a heart of stone, a heart of flesh. So it's the image of renewal, of restoration. God doing that for you. Maybe this morning you feel like your heart's kind of hard. You know, maybe, maybe it doesn't feel that responsive to God. We go through those times. Calluses, right? Build up our calluses in our heart. So we need renewed, we need refreshment, we need restoration, and that's the image that the, the psalmist is saying here for you and for me. So it's a picture of intimacy as it begins, restoration, renewal, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He is there for you and for me. That's where the psalmist begins. However, he then jumps into this statement, even though I walk through the darkest valley. I walk through the darkest valley, whatever that might be. When you've gone through a dark valley, spiritually, what's it been like? It can be confusion. It can be depression. Anxiety. Discouragement. Doubt. Sickness. Loneliness. Rejection. A lot going on in the press about the challenge of loneliness as a result of the pandemic and how tough that is on your health when you're feeling lonely, lonely, lonely. It can be that. The folk who have been lost in Morocco, 2,000 people more in an earthquake. It's a big valley right there. I'm sure some brothers and sisters in the faith were lost in that earthquake. Under rubble. Maybe there's somebody holding on to their fourth finger. The Lord is my shepherd in the midst of that. So there's the valley, and I think ultimately the valley is one of fear. For, for whatever kind of valley it is, it's a fear. Fear takes over. And that becomes our valley. Fear for ourselves, fear for our children, fear for relationships, fear about money, fear about employment. It just keeps going on and on. Fear takes over. And fear has this really paralyzing impact on us. We just get locked right up. Isn't that true? Fear takes over. 
can hardly move. So we can find ourselves in the darkest valley. And the psalmist, in spite of the upbeat beginning, right? I'm in the valley of restoration and my shepherd is with me at every point. He then turns to the valley, in the valley of fear, whatever that valley was for him or her writing. And that can be our reality as well. In the valley, the valley of fear. Even though I walk through that valley. But the shepherd's rod and staff are there for us, Psalmist says. The rod was used as kind of a protecting stick, almost like a weapon. And then the rod was, the staff was for guiding and comforting. Interesting, in some of my Bolivian travels, the, the folk don't carry a stick hard stick, but they'll wear a slingshot around their neck. And the slingshot is very big, and they carry these very hard rocks. And that's a sign to everybody, don't mess with me. I've got this slingshot, and I know how to use it. I went out into Toro Toro with a guide for a couple days, and that's one of the things he had on. He put it right on. He's letting everybody know, here, I have a gringo with me, but don't mess with the gringo because I got my slingshot and I know how to use it. So they weren't packing weapons, guns, but they had these. Back in that day, it was a rod. So I will fear no evil, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So, you know, Mary Ellen was right. It's often this psalm is read at funerals walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So there's a reason why that can be comforting. If I'm around and die sometime, then please feel free to come at my bed and read Psalm 23 to me, even though you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Because that is a valley, right? No matter how you prepare yourself for it, ultimately it's still a valley and you have to walk it on your own even if there's somebody sitting at the bed by you. It's your walk at that point, your journey. But the psalmist knows that God is with him in the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death. We have this reference, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. That's one of the Christmas narratives, right? That's Bethlehem. Jesus talking at his first sermon. What is that reference? People sitting in the shadow of death, the light has dawned. So Jesus, light has shined for us. But we're the Gentiles. That's us. That, that reference is for you and for me. So sitting in our valley, God is with us. He's there for us. His encouragement for you and for me. And then it ends here in verse 5 with a switch to the first, the first person from third person. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The beginning is third person. The Lord is my shepherd. Here goes the first. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Face-to-face -face language, that's the point. You are with me. 
The Lord is my, number four, that's true, and here it goes, you are with me. You are with me. And that's the truth we want to hold on to. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. In all the universe, you, God, travel with me. You know my name. You are with me. That's a beautiful statement. And it's not just for the psalmist here. It's for you and for me. With whatever's going on, you are with me. You know me. You love me. Your reckless love. So, first image is God is our shepherd. Second image, it goes on, and we see now the image of God is our friend. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Goodness and mercy following or even pursuing us. That's the point. We sang of that as well. So the second image here, the psalmist, I suggest, changes it up. It doesn't necessarily stay with the shepherd image. It's now God as our friend. The intimacy of friendship. Sitting at table with someone, sharing, communion. And when we celebrate communion last week, we are, it's a metaphor of relationship of eating together, God eating with us in Christ. So it's an intimacy of friendship. The table is set. Oil is poured over our heads. Our cup overflows. It's all the image of everything being set for you and for me. Verse 5. God is our host. Ultimately, Christ is our hope. One of, one of the big images of Revelation, the book of Revelation, is the messianic banquet. That one day there's going to be this great banquet in heaven and we are going to be present and we will be served first-class stuff by God. We eating together. It's a wonderful image and the church really held on to that in the early years. Interesting studies on how low the population of the earth was for the longest time. I used to travel a bit with John Kessler, who is an Old Testament prophet, Tyndale, who just retired recently. And we were talking, and he was saying, you know, in spite of all the talk about the population growth, and it is growing, and it's an issue, right? Eight billion people on the planet. He says, for much of the history of humankind, the challenge has been the other side. The challenge has there's not been enough people. Not that there's too many people. There's not enough people. Can the race even carry on? And so when we think back to Israel of old, that's the challenge. Not enough people. And so I say that because we go to the first century, you know, the city of Rome was a million people, but that was the biggest city on the planet. Much of the world was rural. Not a lot of people. And so if you were a Christian in the first century, you stood out. There's not a whole lot of people, and the church is pretty small. This would be considered a really big church in the first century, who we are right this morning. 
churches were house churches. And so you get a group of 20 people out in, in the city of Jerusalem, well, people know. People know you're a Christian. They know. They've heard. And so you became a bit of a target. It's like a gringo, right? You become a target. In those days, it was a Christian. So the Messianic banquet, getting through and celebrating together, was, was a big image. And goodness and mercy follow. And as they say, more than follow, pursue. We sang that. You are a good, good father, goodness and mercy. The word for mercy there is kesed. It's steadfast love. God's kesed, God's steadfast love pursues us, pursues you, pursues me. Through all the ups and downs, God's goodness and mercy, his friendship, his love. And ultimately, it brings us home. And so the image in verse 5 ends with the image of coming home. At the end of life, we come home. We come home to the Father. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Home. When my dad was dying, he didn't, he didn't sense a lot of peace. There was a lot of anxiety, a fair bit of fear. But at the very end, when we came back and saw him, he had already passed, I sense that there was peace. And why I say that is because, you know, I don't know, a few weeks later, I, I kind of heard a voice in my, in my own heart, in my, and it was like my dad was saying, Alan, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Not so much fear anymore. It's okay. Why is it okay? Because ultimately we come home. We come home. God is our creator. We go back to him. We go home. In Christ, we go home. In Spanish, they have a phrase called, mi casa es tu casa. My house is your house. Mi casa es tu casa. Yvonne has said that to me a bunch of times. My house is your house. And God says to us, mi casa es tu casa. My house is your house. And so we go home. We go home to be with him. So that, that's the invitation of this, of this psalm. Can we hold on to it? The image of friendship and secondly, or sorry, the image of shepherding and then the image of friendship. Bring it home. Jesus is our good, good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus lays down his life for us. You know, shepherds of old in, in the field would lay down their life for their sheep. They would not just check out. If they're the shepherd, they will lay down their life. They will fight the lion. They will fight the bear. They won't just take off and say, oh, well, it's over to you guys now. They will do that, and Jesus does that for us. He is our good, good shepherd. And when we have that sensitive, we really hold on to that, Jesus is our good shepherd, we can pass through a whole lot of stuff. It's a message of hope. 
Jesus is our shepherd and he is our friend. And then ultimately, it's one of encouragement and security. Brueggemann writes, Psalm 23 knows that evil is present in the world, but it is not feared. Confidence in God is the source of new orientation. Evil is real. It's present. But there's confidence in God. Confidence in knowing that he's there for you and for me. And so can we say yes to that? God's companionship with you, with me. You are not alone. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. God is there with you. So we want to develop that. Develop that relationship just like any other. Spend time listening. Read the scriptures. Read this psalm this week. Think about it. God is your shepherd. Christ is your shepherd and he is your friend with you in this fall season as all the stuff starts ramping up. Jesus, your shepherd, your friend. May we hang on to these words, whatever the valley that you might be experiencing now. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. In Christ's name, amen.